What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 95. I am your host, Greg, and I am here tonight with Ryan. Uh, Tyler had some prior commitments tonight, but we thought we would get an episode in. Well, there is uh, some current news and developments around the league and news with the Red Wings, but how are you doing tonight, Ryan? Not too bad. Got a beer in hand. It's a beautiful evening. Not overly hot here in the Metro Detroit region. I mean, today I should say it was fucking sweaty balls but that's humid as hell yeah it's been awful but i'm doing my grown-up things got some stuff for my landscaping so hopefully tomorrow's not too bad so i've been adulting the shit out of my yard lately so i feel really proud of myself me too yeah i have a beer and a cider so i'm ready to go tonight Uh yeah i i'm finishing the cider and moving to the the green zebra but green zebra what's that founder's green zebra it is a uh, Goza Ale brewed with watermelon and sea salt, and it's one of the best summer beers you can ever have. It is so damn refreshing, and it's amazing. What? I have to see if my corner guy has this. Oh, I've they'll definitely it. have it. They put it, in, I think, in permanent rotation now. Did they? I have not heard of this, so I'll be completely honest. Yep, buy yourself a 15-pack. You will oh, not regret nice. it. Oh, yeah, big box. Ooh, okay. See, I'll need, I'll need to go get those then. I'm drinking a... Uh, Drecker, I think it's how you pronounce it. Drecker Brewing Company. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's a king king of the thing, a double IPA. Ooh, it's pretty good. I got it in my uh, Tavor box that we were talking about not too long ago. Nice. Yeah, I went and stocked up on a bunch of uh, Founders <laughs> stuff the yes. other day while I was out. But uh, if you guys have been keeping up with the news as of today, we're recording on the fifth of June. The Detroit Red Wings have signed defenseman Albert Johansson to his three-year entry-level contract. Is it Johansson? Uh, Johansson? Has he said how he pronounces it, or does anyone has anyone made uh, note of that? I'm trying to look on Elite Prospects. They always put they normally put an, uh, a like a pronunciation, and I don't I see, see it. Weird. What's happening right now? Yeah, normally you can click a little button and they talk yeah, it for you. It's like right next to the name, and they it's like oh, it's a premium feature now. They changed it. Yeah, so if you want them to speak no. the name to you, it's a premium feature. But uh, I'm gonna call him Albert Johansson. Um, you can call him Johansson, whatever. He was the second round number sixty overall draft pick in 2019. Um, one that uh, was Stevie's first draft for the Wings, where we went kind of defense heavy, but um, he is now what what some are calling one of the Stevie's sleeper picks, which I don't think you could consider a, a second round number sixty overall a sleeper pick. Um, you still get some pretty good value in in picks like that, but he was signed today. He's nineteen years old. He is six foot. 168 pounds, so he does need to bulk up a bit. Left shot defenseman. So some of that American steak. Yeah, exactly. Get him on the the Red Wings <laughs> diet. It won't take him long to bulk up. Uh, they were talking about someone else, uh, Giovanni Smith, I think, uh, who they think will add 10 pounds of muscle, 10 to 15 pounds of muscle in the off season, which a beast out is there. yeah, which is absolutely terrifying. Man. But uh, yeah, Albert. Well, to that point, I'm not trying to go on a no, go ahead. random tangent. Like, look at what Chalowski did in the offseason here in Detroit. Yeah, the Red Wings have a really good um, get big rather quickly um, <laughs> scheme involved. But uh, thinking about Mo now. Yeah, Mo's going to be. I mean, if you think Mo's a beast now, the Berlin Wall. 
Um, I have not heard that one. Is that gonna be? Is that gonna fly? Uh, I don't know. It maybe it has a negative connotation. It might be better if he was a goalie. Yeah, but he does. I mean, he he cron. Now, if he's cronwalling people, you could just say he got the Berlin Wall. But maybe the Berlin Wall has a slightly negative connotation. Still. Yeah, that might upset somebody. Yeah, I like where your head's at. We got to think of something. Else. Yeah, but uh, Albert Johansson, the early scouting reports on him from Elite Prospects um, had a few good quotes. It says he sees the ice well, has a high panic threshold and can adjust his style of play to what is needed. So that's kind of in some of the same respects to most cider, the high panic threshold where they're really calm with the puck. They don't get antsy. They don't throw it away as soon as they see someone coming toward them, which is part of holding the blue line well. Uh, he's a very good skater with fluid strides. He has quick first step and is adept at handling the puck as he accelerates to top speed. Um, he's he's decently speedy. I wouldn't say that he is ultra fast, but he's by no means slow. Um, like I said, with some NHL training, he's currently playing in the CH or in the uh, SHL. But with some NHL training, I mean, he can work a little bit on foot speed. And he has a hard shot from the blue line. And is not afraid to shoot the puck. That is one that is not deniable. The guy's got a cannon. Um, he shoots fast. He's pretty accurate. Um, he's not, I, I don't think he's going to be a large point producing defenseman, um, but he is a good defensive defenseman. Now he could find his offensive upside. Um, like I said, this season he had, let's see, what was it? 2019, 20 in the SHL. He had 13 points in 42 games, two goals, 11 assists. So he's not super offensive. Now, that was his first uh, full season in the SHL before they canned play. Um, he only played nine games in the Super Elite before moving to the SHL. So yeah, um, he's, he's just dominated in the Super Elite last season. Well, I shouldn't say dominate, but point-wise for a defenseman. Oh, yeah. 29 through 40. And then, yeah, I think it's the trajectory. If you're looking strictly at a point level for this guy, there's a lot of hope there. And for a defense as starved as Detroit is for absolutely produces, you know, for anyone that does anything, yeah, <laughs> anything more than what we've had the last three seasons, it's going to be a, a, a freaking win. So, yeah. And what's, um, kind of, there was, there's been some updates on him since then, which, uh, Max Boltman wrote an article in, when was this published? March 18th. Yep. March 18th, 2020. That was titled Breaking Down the Late Season Risers in the Red Wings Farm System. And number one listed was Albert Johansson. Now, I don't know if he did them alphabetically. No, he didn't. Yeah, so he went by first name. Cause... Yeah, well, no, because you got Chase Pearson, then Joe Valeno, yeah. then yeah. Gustav Berglund. So um, in my head. maybe he just started with him first. But uh, a couple quotes from Max is Johansson has a particularly loud finish for a player who recently turned 19 in Sweden's top league. Another one that I like out of here is your confidence goes up. The next thing you know, you combine that with ice time and things usually seem to click, uh, which was a quote from Sean Horkoff that uh, that's kind of how it works, right? It's too bad that the season got cut short because he was really playing well and really feeling more comfortable as of late and actually getting more power play time, which was nice to see. So if we could get maybe a guy to quarterback a power play, a second guy to quarterback a power play, because I think what's going to end up happening is you may, uh, Heronic does okay with power play. You're going to have Mo Sider. Mo Sider, I think, is going to end up being able to quarterback a power play no problem. 
Um, you may have three good power play defensemen in Cider, Heronic, and eventually Albert Johansson. Yeah. Um, you know what's really interesting, too, is that I don't even know if, if I even see Heronic really playing a defensive role on the power play. Because if you notice toward the end of the year, he started getting thrown more into uh, Obi's wheelhouse, if you will. Yeah, yep. And he was fantastic right there. And then they started moving Mantha around as the floater. He'd go up to the point and he would be the feed. And they were just kind of going back and forth and then marking with the bumper in the middle. So if they kept that, I don't even see Heronic really being a that's that's going to be a strictly offensive role. Then you could almost have your Johansson and uh, Cider on the other pairing. Like you go four and one and then three and two on the other. And it's not, I feel like things traject the way that we're hoping or project, whatever you want to say it. You can say whatever Um, you want, man. It's a podcast. I'm going with it. (laughs) If the trajectory of him continues to grow, he's going to be, if if they go with a three, two, it's, it's not, it's not like they're going to be hurting themselves offensively on a power play. If that's the way they were to take it. So like with what they've got now versus that, that's where you got to hope that these things keep happening. Yeah, if you look at Hronik, I think Hronik is going to be, uh, I mean, and it's pretty evident that he's going to be a pretty offensive defenseman. Uh, 31 points in 65 games, 9 goals, 22 assists. In his uh, second, I mean, first technically, I guess, first full season, if you want to call it a full season. But um, yeah, I mean, in, in 46 games last season, he had 23 points, so... I think Hronik is going to be your your offensive defenseman. They say that Mo Sider still has an offensive upside to him uh, once he can get some space and, and uh, get his shot down. But Albert Johansson may end up being a good third option, which, again, for a defense that is just, I mean, has been abysmal the past several years. It'll be good to see it coming back uh, with the the prospects that are in our in our system. And it's even possible he doesn't even get that time up because of what we still have. I mean, that's called a bonus, coming. right? That's yeah, called... because you, we're not even talking about Chalowski. You're not talking about McIsaac. Or McIsaac. Two guys, Chalowski, he's got time back there, and you've seen what he can do when he gives him some space out, especially on a power play. And when he's consistent. Exactly. So, if I mean, if Chalowski is the one, the one to really watch at this point because he's been back and forth. McIsaac will be coming into his first full year. Cider, yeah. So if if Johansson even gets to even scratch at some power play time, especially at, at the big level, I'd be impressed. But if he's there, then you know that they, they struck gold there. Yeah, I mean, you're you're even still not looking at Anti Tuomisto, who was picked before Albert Johansson. Um, so I mean, if you look at that, Tuomisto was tearing it up in the Finnish league. 49 points in 48 games in the uh, Junior Liga. So, I mean, you're he's going to spend some more time in... Fin- Actually, no, this, this year he's going to the University of Denver. But he had 15 goals and 34 assists for 49 points in 48 games uh, with the Asat under 20. So, uh, Antitu Amisto, who has taken 35 overall in round two last year, he is also 19 years old. So, we're going to have some good young defensemen in the system to to turn the defense around and hopefully they I mean hopefully most of them pan out into NHL level talent and I mean give us a few more high caliber wingers and in another center and I think we're golden I mean we can fix the goalie problem at any time really so that's some good news I think I'll end the Johansson talk with 
what Max kind of wrapped up uh, about is that Johansson could still stand to add weight, but he's six feet. The Red Wings consider his skating to be elite. So he's a good skater. Like I said, he's probably not, he's not like top flight speed, but he's very mobile. Um, the team is hoping for some physical development from him this summer, though obviously there could still be some complications there considering the current climate. Johansson will be one to monitor next season regardless. So yeah, next season, I think he he will probably play in the SHL, I'm guessing. Um, and then the the season after will probably make his way to the AHL slash NHL. So I'm curious... Um... Is, has there have you seen anything about when the SHL is anticipating their league will kick back off? Are they going to be on time? No, I haven't seen anything. Um, I, I mean, I can look up and see what it says for SHL uh, resuming play, but I haven't seen anything that that says they're going to be uh, kind of staving it off or or putting it behind. Because hmm. what I'm really intrigued by or interested in is that, yeah, we know. Now, the NHL likely won't start, and I know we're going to get into this further uh, here shortly because of the updates that just came out, but, I mean, the talk right now is the NHL season won't start until January. Is that going to be the same for the AHL? Are they going to maintain that, or are they going to start the AHL on time? Well, some people are asking, are they going to start the AHL at all? They're saying the AHL might lose a season. Because the AHL is strictly a gate-driven league, and if there are no people to go to games, then there's no point in really having games. They're going to have to, I mean, they, they have to pay their players, of course, mm-hmm. but you are you can't, I mean, there's no point in staffing a building and, and all that yeah. stuff if there's no one there to, to bring money in. If you're, red. Exactly. If you're playing games, you're wasting money at that point. See what... what what I was getting at, though, is that if the AHL were to start playing again, if they start when the NHL does, that could actually be fantastic. Because if Johansson, if the SHL starts, because, I mean, you're starting to see a lot of these European leagues get back in action, like the Bundesliga is starting up already. Um, the Premier League, talking soccer here, is getting ready to kick off figuratively in the next 10 days. So you're seeing all these things happen with them. You got to hope that if the SHL starts, you know, fall time frame, maybe he gets a couple months in the SHL and then in NHL, AHL, if they both kick off together and can have attendance for that matter, what if he makes the jump midseason? Is that something they're allowed to do? Come over from a foreign league to a North American league midseason? Does the, does the other league have to release him to if he were to sign a contract? I, Since he's on contract, is the, do they have to release him? Or I, can the Red Wings be like, hey, we want him here in Grand Rapids? I don't think... I think they have to release him because uh, if it is before a certain date. Because there was okay. something with the Jesse Pugliarvi, um situation where he had to... If he was going to be traded, he had to be traded by a certain point so that he could come back and play. But he's technically under contract by uh, with the Oilers which I guess would be just on loan to that other team, or he could just go play for that other team. So because he's on contract with the, uh, because Johansson's got a contract with the Red Wings, I think they would have to release him to the NHL. So yeah, Johansson, I think Johansson will, will probably go back to the SHL. Uh, then the mm-hmm. next season, come over to the AHL and possibly get some NHL time because 
they can only slide his ELC one year uh, due to his age. If he was 18, you could slide it for two years, but since he's 19, you can only slide it for one. So, gotcha. yeah, uh, I think in a couple years, he might see some NHL time, but next season, I, I think they'll stick him over in Sweden. But again, it all depends on the situation of if Sweet, if and when Sweden goes back to play, if uh, when the NHL comes back to play, if the AHL comes back to play. There's a lot of moving parts currently. Um, but it's a good signing. Um, I think it was expected they were going to do it. Um, I think they'll get uh, Tuomisto into it next and maybe uh, Berglund. But uh, those are yet to be seen. The other little bit of Red Wings news was there was an article on Detroit Jack City talking about Matthias Broma, who uh, Iserman had signed um, kind of before all of this stuff went down or maybe a little bit during it, uh, during the early stages. If you haven't seen, uh, Broma played for Orobro HK in the Swedish Hockey League. Uh, he In 52 games, he had 43 points. He is a left winger. I think in the NHL, he probably projects out to a um, third-line guy. Um, maybe, if we're super lucky, a second-liner. Um, but I think he's he's a third line guy in the NHL. Uh, a lot of people, I think, are blowing it out of proportion, saying, oh, man, we, he might play good with Larkin or he might play with Zadina. I don't think he's to that point. Um, but uh, Iserman had talked to uh, Iserman had given an interview basically saying that he feels that Broma can adapt and become a threat uh, in the Red Wings core forwards as a guy who has an impact he went on to say that he felt that the Red Wings scouts like Hocken Anderson and Yuri Fisher did an excellent job seeking out Broma and making sure he was someone who can have a real impact. It seems expectations for him to be an asset in both the offensive and defensive zone. Uh, it says that he can use his skating abilities in the defensive zone to put pressure on the opposition and also be productive in the offensive zone. Um, with a skill set similar to players like Jeff Skinner or uh, Tomasz Tatar. Uh, those are big names to compare him to for saying that he probably grades out as a third liner. Um, but they're saying he has a play style similar, not a finish similar. So he's 25 years old, not old. That's still relatively young if you figure that Fabry and Larkin are 24. So getting younger, getting some, yeah. Getting younger, getting some external talent, but Iserman seems to think that he has a real shot to to make the big club out of training camp whenever training camp is this year. Never. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. Point. But uh, I think that's a good look. Like I said, any talent we could use to off off some of off makes it sound like I'm killing them. Uh, that we an offload offload some of the current um, quote unquote talent. Uh, like Helene St. James had been alluding to, it's more than likely Abdulkader will be waived uh, to play in Grand Rapids. I wonder if maybe Dude, they'll do the same thing with Franz Nielsen. If they pulled off, if he does a coup like that and gets rid of both Abdulkader and Nielsen, you're going to see people streaking happily around. Well, right now. he's going to have to do something, right? I mean, you I can't mean, bring in guys like Broma. There's no way both those guys are on, the, in the, on this team. I I can almost assuredly because of how many times actual Detroit media sources have said it that Abdulkader is probably done. 
um, in Detroit. He'll go to Grand Rapids, be an amazing guy like uh, like Lashoff's been forever for them. So are you calling a wave buyout then? Just a, I don't think a buyout, just just a waving. And when you wave you him, he's got to go to Grand Rapids. You don't think that one of them is going to get a compliance buyout? I don't think the NHL is going to give a compliance buyout. Yeah, I they should. You would think because you know that the salary cap is going to be flat oh, next yeah, season. Right. If, it, if it moves at all, I'll be amazed. If it moves yeah. at all, it'll move down. But yeah. I, I oh think it'll God. be flat. If it moves down? If it moves down, I think they're almost required to give a compliance buyout simply because you you have teams that spent to an expected amount like or even vastly over an expected amount like Toronto. But uh, imagine the hair on fire if the cap goes down and Toronto has to scramble even faster. They I think they it's what we all want. It's what we want. I mean, I just want to watch the world burn. But, Final cap hit of ninety five million. Yeah, LTIR used thirteen points. But they're losing a lot of that LTIR next season. Yes, they are, and that's and bad for them. Horton and Clarkson both fall off. Exactly, two plus each. So oh, if the cap goes down, I think they almost have to give a compliance buyout. Can we just also talk about the fact they're still paying Phil Kessel two more years? Oh, of course. I mean, can, can we talk about the fact that they just continuously keep signing people without any, like, uh, I guess, regard for next season? <laughs> but, I yeah. Think, I think it's a plan. We're, we're being played by if, if it If the cap stays at where it's at, I don't think you'll see a compliance buyout. If it moves down, I think you will. If we do, by some mystical power, get one, you wave Abby, you buy out Nielsen, and you've got those two spots. I mean, those are two huge, huge weights lifted off the team, but mm-hmm. I, I don't see it happening. If anything, I see Nielsen sticking as a fourth-line center. I see Abdicator going to Grand Rapids. And then for your 3C, maybe bring up Rasmussen. I'm not. I'm not really too against that. If you do bring up Erasmuson in that sense, then you you slide Nielsen over. I don't think that he, if he's sheltered with less minutes, I think he'd be more impactful than having to play second line minutes in how this roster's constructed. He's not, my thing with Nielsen is Nielsen is still still has a decent playmaking ability. Yep. He's just slower now because he's older. So, so slow. If you so could stick him on the fourth line, he wouldn't be much as much of a liability because he could keep up with the other fourth line players. Mm-hmm. But I think if you and this, I mean, like I said, wishful thinking, if you could wave Abby and get a compliance buyout on Nielsen, you then move Philpola to the third line, or you move Philpola to the fourth line. You could bring up Joe Valeno, put him on the second line, bring up Michael Rasmussen, put him on the third line. So then your centers are Larkin, Valeno, Rasmussen, Philpolo, which is not bad at all. Honestly, I would say, at least initially, I would see Raz and Valeno flip. You think? Just because Raz has the time up here. Yeah, he's got the experience. Yeah, let Valeno get his sea legs under him. And then once he hits the ground running, then boom, you flip him back around. Unless they got some chemistry going, because if you got three centers like that, depending on who they actually draft, because honestly, if they fell and somehow ended up getting byfield, then hey, there's your second line center. Yeah. That's the later discussion. Oh, yeah. Since we've also recorded, um, they announced that Blasio will be back for next season. No surprise. The Red Wings are after we recorded. Yeah. 
Uh, the Red Wings aren't in any kind of position to win anything, so it doesn't really matter. Iserman also came out strong saying you can't judge Blaschel based on the performance of the current team because of the state of the current and team. I agree. I do too, to a point. I hate it, but I, it's, I still agree with him. There's some merit so. there. Um, yes. And then they also, uh, Iserman also had announced that they will be naming a captain this offseason and... He didn't say it will be, but it will be Dylan Larkin. There's just no other options. Buddy, was Twitter a fire after that? For the, for the yeah, oh my God, dude. Bertuzzi needs to be captain crowd. Just please not even, stop. Not even just that. It was, I had some guy coming at me saying that Larkin was a little bitch, basically. Oh, I've heard that too. Larkin cries too much. I mean, you'd be pissed off too if your team was terrible and you tried to carry them every single night. There's no way I can find those tweets. It was it was just like, what are you? Go look up the clips of when Hank Hank would get super upset and yell at the refs all the time. So I mean, it's people and even people keep saying Larkin doesn't have experience. This is what is going to be his fifth year in the league, sixth year in the league. Like, give the kids uh, some credit. This would be going on number six, I believe. Yeah. Go look at his off ice work, his work with uh, Ted Lindsay's Autism Foundation. Uh, this is the first guy on the ice, last guy off the ice. He's got dedication. Iserman even said that he has probably some of the most passion that he's ever seen on the team. Um, he's a leader. The guys he's a leader, Robbie Fabry says Larkin gives the orders and they follow the orders. And Larkin works his ass off every single shift. It's it's a given that he's going to be the captain. But I think people, there's a lot of people that just like to go against popular opinion just to go against it. It just makes no sense to me. Um, I found the tweets. Go um, ahead. I'll so, let you rant for a minute. So I put out there the hate for Larkin, because this is the same day that you were going back and forth. Yeah. Too. Um, but I said the hate for Larkin wearing the sea is a very confusing sentiment. So this guy responds back, and he goes, I, and I quote, because he's a surly little twat and lacks the level-headed coolness of the past three captains. Oh, my God. That's not serious, right? The level-headed coolness. There are refs that say they hated Iserman because of how, like, how much he could throw a fit to them. You know what he said next? You want to hear hear the best? Oh, go ahead. So somebody called him out on it, and he's like, "Kid lacks the temperament to win a chip." I'm assuming he meant cup. Yeah. Rather, would rather see Glendening be captain until cider is ready, and then the person that responded back to him is like there's nothing indicating anything you assume is factual so mr genius's response was anecdotal evidence years of knowing the kid personally and here's the kicker tv interviews larkin's tv interviews is that what they're talking about oh yeah sure larkin is. does amazing meant, tv it, it, it gets better though <laughs> it gets better and then he goes not to mention inconsistent play what Exactly. Embellishment of penalties. Hello, diving. So they're not, they know that other people like. Uh, <sighs> mouthing, mouthing off to the refs when plays don't go his way and his teammates don't show the fire to win. True leadership there. Uh, there's just so much wrong. So those are the people that I would consider slappies. This is one person. Yeah, I would consider him a slappy. I mean, not really a person. There, a lot of them. What what I've broken it down to is they 
maybe watch five, 10 minutes of a game. The rest of it, they're on their phone. They look at the score. They see Larkin didn't score and they write him off. Or they see a couple highlights. I mean, from all accounts, from every analyst, every guy in the room, every sports announcer and writer and blogger and journalist will all tell you that the team and the coaching staff and the ownership, all of them have nothing but respect for Larkin, that Larkin has been the de facto captain without the letter on his his jersey for the past two years. And that it's just, it doesn't make any sense to me because people, but then people go, Bertuzzi needs to be captain. He's got grit and he plays 100% every shift. And I go, okay, but so does Larkin. Larkin doesn't float around the ice. He's a complete 200 foot player. He's a near elite. Uh, he's a near elite center. He would be a top line center on several NHL teams. He is a hundred percent a team player. We'll back off the homerism. He's a fringe. I and I can't. It that still also makes me angry because people However, say, "Well, you put, put him on a good team, he'll be worse." That makes zero yeah. sense at all. If you put him on a good team, he'll be elite. Yeah. So if I you, think, I think he would be on that elite level because if you tell him. If you were to put him with, say, put him on him Tampa, a, give him a Patrick Kane, give him a, a Nikita Kucherov, like you just brought up Tampa, give him Brad Marchand. Exactly. Like, so now I'm not saying that we don't have the potential to have guys maybe to there, but you, I'm sorry, Mantha's a great goal scorer. He might have been pushing for 40 goals this year, but he's not a David Pasternak. No. But Larkin, I mean, Larkin is going to be the captain. If you don't like it, you don't have to watch hockey. And you can complain about as much as you want, but I'm going to go with that. Iserman knows more than you. I'm here for reading the pain. Yeah, I I know. (laughs) Iserman knows more than you. And everyone, even Darren McCarty has said, yeah, Larkin's the the captain. Everyone knows Larkin's the captain. Everyone in the room knows he's the captain. He just has not been given the letter yet because... Iserman wanted to take a year to assess the the situation in Detroit and get to know the players. And he even told Larkin there was a couple important things from that initial interview that he did when they announced that the season was over. And uh, one was that around game 30, he he had a conversation with Larkin where he told him, you can't do it all by yourself. You need to take a step back. Basically, if you try to put this team on your shoulders and and win every game every night, you're going to wear yourself out. You are going to get morally defeated and you're just not going to be able to do it. And then he also told him he needed to take this season to work on his defensive game, which is part of an explanation for why his offense may have been down a little bit. But once he was told after that game 30, and you can see it in the play, once he was told... You, you need to calm down a bit. You need to know that you can't do it all. You you saw an improvement in his game. You saw him relax a little bit. You saw him score more. His points went up. He was just, and that's part of being a captain. He just tried to make sure they had a chance to win every night and to do everything. He felt like he had to do everything himself in order to win. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's only going to get better. And exactly. If he he ends up with the C on his chest. I'm obviously going to buy a new jersey. Um, that's besides the point. I'm going to get a letter for my jersey. See, I, I, I'm debating on that because right now I've got it set up. Now we're going to go into another offshoot conversation. But my jersey's right now. So I've got my Z jersey. 
and mm-hmm. I've got the patches from the final season at the Joe on there, and I'm not touching it. Yeah, my Larkin jersey I bought for the first season at LCA, and I've got the patches on there for that, so I really don't want to touch it. I want it to be like an homage to the first season, so I'm gonna have to get a new one. See, my Larkin jersey is the All Star jersey, Ooh. so I think that one would look good with a C on it. Uh, so uh, I think the second thing we have to go into tonight, and I think we're actually right around the half hour mark, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, we are. Uh, is that some rants? <laughs> is that the NHL has announced more details on their format for return to play? It initially was announced that training camps um, would would be delayed until the beginning of August. That turned out to not. I guess so far not be true. They're still aiming for around July 14th for a return to play. Uh, Not a return to play, but a return to camp, basically. Have all the playoff teams start their training camps. Um, A lot of them can go and start skating already uh, in small groups. But uh, this would be formal training camps where they get back. They get a a couple weeks, a few weeks to get back into game shape. Uh, get their legs back under them before they start the uh, tornado of playoff format shit storm that they have decided to play. It is. We're going to be really upset. No, no. We're all going to be extremely happy because hockey's back, but we're all going to be extremely confused. Happy, happy that it's back, but also upset because, you know, goddamn well, there's going to be an upset and one of Toronto or Pittsburgh is going to lose and be in the goddamn draft lottery. <laughs> yeah, that is the word. The draft lottery is by far the worst part. Um, and if you listen to the last episode, you know how angry absolutely everyone is about this situation. It's going to fucking happen. Uh, Ryan, do you want to read the uh, details for Return to Play? And we can probably break them down point by point if you want to start with series length. Uh, and then we can talk a little bit about that. Sure. Let me actually scroll back to that real quick. So what they are doing here is the initial return so the play-in round is they're they're calling it a qualifying round because they can't call it playoffs yeah it's because they and that there's a reason that finally came out to that is is because of the conditional draft picks and trades or conditional draft picks that were acquired via trade so it's so pittsburgh doesn't lose their first round pick so that they can have a chance at the lottery if they lose for those and some other ones. So, yes, that's a, that's a big reason for it. But that's going to be a best of five. It'll be a 2-1-1 uh, play out. So, two home, one, one, one. So, one home away. So they're going to two home and then back and forth until they're done. Yep, for five. And then, really, the playoffs, it's going to be the same format in regards to the games. Each round is going to be seven games like we, we're used to. So the better ranked or seeded team will be home one and two, five and seven. So it's exactly what we're familiar with. But what's fantastic about these whole, this whole thing is after the play-in round is that everyone's going to get seeded. And I believe it is the highest remaining seed in each conference. That, so they'll play the lowest remaining seed. And then as each one moves on, they're going to reseed them rather than do it in the traditional, I shouldn't say traditional, the bracket format that came into a, an effect in 2013-14 season. So what they'll do is readdress each round based off how they finished the regular season and what their point percentage was. Yeah, so, so this has become some kind of chaotic playoff series that m- almost makes no sense. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to watch. 
but it'll be fantastic at the same time because it, it went into uh, me and Mario talking online the other day about how great that is because it, it gives you the matchups you want to see where yep. the best teams are playing the worst teams, which makes you get your best teams coming to a crash course, most likely in the conference final, which where I was getting at with the Mario conversation was where we always saw Detroit and Colorado coming together yeah. in the late nineties in a Western conference fi- final, most likely. And it's the best hockey you can get. So if that's what ends up happening with this, you got to hope that maybe they uh, amend what they've got going on and they go back to that format for the playoffs moving forward. That's yeah. A complete hope. But if they do it, it'd be fantastic. I think that's something that this whole COVID thing opens up is that next season, I think there's going to be a lot more stuff on the table and a lot more discussion about, well, how maybe this goes well. How do we change it officially in in actual every season format? So when you're looking at uh, it, it's it's good that they're not taking like two top teams and automatically eliminating one of them. Because when you get your best teams toward the end, that's when it gets intense. That's when you get the amazing matchups. That's when you get the two to one scores and the the fighting games where they're just putting everything out there. And it's just the top talent going at each other instead of getting the boring matchups where you get these blowouts and teams like a play in team doesn't even belong in the final and they're there anyways. So but to that point, though, it also great provides a fantastic upset think back to 2006 yep. when detroit was the best team in the league and then you had lowly edmonton the eight seed knocking out detroit and sending eiserman out on the most sour and depressing note ever i remember the, the image of him walking off the ice just destroyed because he knew that was his last game so that's the type of thing that you can get out of this and it's fantastic yeah that'll be interesting so i i think i agree with the series length I think you can do them all best of seven. I think they said if you would have done the first one best of five after the qualifying or the first couple best of five and kept like the final best of seven, you could have cut like nine days off. But at this point, I don't think it really matters. I would Um, would not mind to see the first round go down to best of five. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see it and they could make up some time there, but... I guess it all depends on when they actually think they're going to start next season, if they think they need the time or not. And based on this decision, I don't, I guess they decided they don't think they need the time to start next season. Um, If then we go on to round robin tiebreaker, where it says ties in the round robin featuring the top four teams from each conference will be broken by regular season points percentage. The seeding order for these teams then will remain the same throughout the playoffs. So this is part of what we brought up last time where the Boston fans are kind of pissed that they clearly were the top team and now they don't get to be the top seed unless they go through and win this round robin round. Which I I don't blame them for that. I mean, I'd be pissed off too if my team was obviously dominant basically throughout the entire regular season and be like, ah, well, you might get the first seed. Let's see if you can keep it going. Now it would add it as intrigue, which is the fun part about it. Sure, That's where it really... It spreads the wealth, if you will, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you could still get your Boston-Toronto matchup, right? And uh, <laughs> that's all, that's watch, what I watch Brad Marchand lick Austin Matthews' face. Uh, yeah, I just don't think that... I, I think 
that the round robin is still kind of dumb and doesn't make much sense when you could have just said, okay, you guys all have buys. Just go ahead and play. Yeah. You're not changing. Play some warm up games. Get yourself back up to speed while those people are playing games that matter. Play some warm up games. But I guess I since they're making them play, they want to make them play for something, which okay. But I, I to take a what was a by far a first seed and say, well, you might not be a first seed anymore if you lose these games doesn't make much sense to me. I mean, really though, if you if you look at it you're splitting it up between Boston, Tampa, Washington, and Philly. Yeah. With the exception of maybe Philly. No, with the definite exception of Philly. Okay. With the exception of Philly, those top three are interchangeable. They're pretty, they're pretty close. So you're really getting freaking all guns a blazing, no matter who you play. Which kind of pisses, would piss me off even more if I was Boston. Like guys, we beat out two other really good teams for the first seed. And now we're not going to get, there's a chance we don't get the first seed. Here's your participation trophy. Please. Yeah. Here, here's your, uh, g- good job in the regular season. Pat on the back and smack on the ass. Here here's, you here's your president's trophy. Now, uh, do it again. <laughs> Draw some bingo balls. Um, do you want to go into the home ice stuff? Home ice. Okay. So I kind of hint touched on this already, but we'll just walk through what the NHL did put out here. The NHL PR. PR underscore NHL for their Twitter handle, as I was just informed because I looked at everything. <laughs> um, so here's what they put out. Home ice in the qualifying round, the higher seeded team will be designated as the home team in games one, two, and five. So what we're used to, lower seeded will be designated the home team in games three and four. So it's a nice little breakup. It's kind of similar. Is I think, does baseball do it that way with their best of five? I couldn't tell you. One, two, three, and then four and five. I, I haven't watched anyways. meaningful baseball in a long time. We might not even get baseball. But <laughs> so that that is how the qualifying round is going to go. Next, we go in the first round, second round, and the conference finals. It'll be your standard one, two, five, and seven. The higher seeded team will be the home team for those. Lower seeded team will have games three, four, and six. And then in the Stanley Cup final, here's where it gets interesting is the team with the higher regular season points percentage will be designated as the home team in games one, two, five, and seven. So that's really the big change um, that you can, we'll, we'll be expecting once it so, to that point. So if a playing team makes it to the finals, they're automatically the away team, basically. Oh, more than likely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of, and that, that is the last of really what the NHL announced for, um, the return to play plan, which they've got a solid plan together. They have a plan. Yeah. I mean, they had a plan. I hate it, but, but it's something. They have a clearer plan and a structure and how they want everything to run. And the the players have signed off on it. Now it's still we're still waiting to hear. I guess what their safety measures and implementation will be. I saw another a couple other tweets flying around recently that are like they basically said that there's going to be no fighting and that there's going to be no scrums. And you can't that just a suggested thing from someone. It, like it was, but it came up again last week um, where someone said they heard that that's something that they're going to do. But do you think that's something again, they're really considering or are they just saying that they are to make it look like they're taking the proper steps again there's no way you can police it you can't no, really police that stuff unless you're like okay you got in a scrum everyone in the penalty box you're carrying a 50-man roster here you go 
But it's like telling an offensive lineman in football that he can't block the guy in front of him, that he can only put his arm out and they can touch fingertips and be like, all right, I'm blocking you. Yeah, I don't I, it, to me, it's just it's not realistic. You can say it as much as you want. It's not realistic. Another one I heard is they're definitely going to end up making everyone wear full face masks, full face shields, um, which I I know the players hate it. The players hate the visor. Um, so with them with them having to wear a full cage, basically, they're going to hate it even more. But it's not going to it's it's a safety measure. I get it. They're breathing hard. They're in each other's faces. It's it's something they're going to have to do. And, and hopefully it won't have to carry into the beginning of next season. But it's if we're going to get hockey back, I think for the players sake, it's a small sacrifice they're going to have to make to, to start playing again. I'm going to go with the assumption that they won't be forced to do so. And the only reason I say that is in watching some of the soccer matches that have been going on, particularly with the Bundesliga, which I don't know why I'm saying matches. It's all that's happening right now is that league. Um, some of the people on the sideline, yes, they have their, their masks on, but those players, like their stuff inside the box, especially on a set piece for a corner kick, they're, they're up in each other's shit, man. There's no separation. It's no different than what you're going to see with a scrum on the ice. I, I really don't, unless there's some huge outrage that happens here. I mean, this is happening in Germany, obviously. So Europe, certain regions were just decimated by this. Um, but you would think they would be more. Well, you can't really make on, soccer players wear a helmet. No, no, not at all. You can't make them wear a face mask either. They're going to freaking curl over and freaking pass out. No, but I, I, with how you see how they're handling it, I, I don't know what their testing procedures are either. I hadn't looked into it, so um, you got to think it's going to be treated as things happen. If something were to come up, and then you're, you're going to end up stopping anyways. But um, it's it, it'll be interesting to watch and in how they actually are going to be doing the testing. If everyone's coming in healthy and they're not, there's nothing crazy going on then I don't think that that's going to be as much of a, an issue per se once it comes down to it. Yeah. Uh, they, again, they announced today that some, uh, a Pittsburgh Penguins player had has tested positive for COVID, but he wasn't in contact with anyone and he wasn't in recovered. Pittsburgh. Yeah. He wasn't in Pittsburgh yeah. either. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what kind of rule changes they're going. If any rule changes they're going to have to implement, they may just go in and say, screw it. You guys just, play hockey and what happens happens because they've already said if one player or a couple players on a team get it, that doesn't mean that they're going to cancel everything. And that doesn't mean that that team is going to have to wait or anything. They may just quarantine those players because they're going to be testing every day. They may just quarantine those players, bring in your couple of backup guys and keep playing. So it'll be interesting to see how they all handle it. Again, this has literally never happened before. We're seeing hockey history and sports history um, being made with how they hobble together some playoffs and and get back to playing uh, some actual meaningful hockey before they what I'm assuming are going to take like a two month break and get back to playing again, because I don't think they're going to wait till January. I, that, they can't unless they um, let the other teams have uh, Pierre Lebrun from The Athletic had a little article that was talking about what can these other teams, uh, Anaheim, San Jose, LA, New Jersey, Buffalo, and Detroit and Ottawa, the what West can Coast, they do? Yeah. What can they do 
if they are not going to be playing actual hockey games for for up to 10, 11 months. They should be allowed to do training camp during the whole time the playoffs are going on. Exactly. So they would have to get it approved by the league. They're talk, And they would have to get it approved by the Players Association. And, uh, of course, they're trying to figure out the whole playoff stuff before they worry about that. Um, but there are ideas still being thrown around and they will eventually at, at some point bring it through. I think they brought it up to Iserman and Iserman said that it's yeah. all everything is still in discussion um, that they, yeah, they mentioned it, too. Yeah, that they they haven't really even started talking to anyone important yet because they're still talking about playoffs. But it's playoffs? yeah, they're going to have to get a some kind of mini camps like you would see a. Uh, some small training camps with maybe some exhibition games between teams. Like you see, may see great. They yeah. Like, like a Traverse city, like going into Traverse city every year and every seeing the prospect tournament. Yeah. yeah. They should do that. But with the NHL rosters, they put them in a hub city. Like they're discussing right now. Like do stick so, them in Traverse city. Uh, honestly, do they have enough for seven full rosters like that? They've got two ranks. Well, yeah, no, they usually roll with six teams, don't they? They, yeah, they've got two rinks and do a six-team tournament every year. It, I mean, potential. But so, I mean, you go with the no fans like they're discussing as it is, unless up there they decide to, but you're going to have too many people traveling, so it's a risk you can't really take. Yeah, but um, I say fly in Anaheim, San Jose, L.A., bring yeah. in Jersey, Buffalo, and I guess if you want to invite Ottawa, you can. back up there to the, the, the UP area. And it's good because they keep them all in a single hotel. Um, they get, I believe they all stay at the Grand Traverse, which is a giant resort hotel. Yeah, they're not doing too bad there. So it's, and I mean, and you could do that. Of course, you, you're not going to have fans, but they set it up for broadcast every year where you can yeah. watch the games. And I think that Put would be really NHL good. Or do local stuff. And since any, what they're saying is with playoffs, since there's going to be no fans, mm-hmm. that they're, you're going to see some different camera angles because they don't have to worry about impeding views of fans. Right. So you're going to see some different camera angles. You could do the same thing with the exhibition games. You could put cameras in the stands. So That'd be sweet. I don't see any problem with, with putting the people in, in a single place like a Traverse city that's got two rinks in one spot and having them play some games. It'd be, it would only be appropriate. And now granted, yes, we think it would be appropriate. Do the players think so? I think they would actually be all for They want to play. Yes, and knowing that these guys are going to be off, what, nine, ten months now? Yep. Well, no. Yeah. No, yeah. Sorry. Middle of March. Start. Middle of March, and if they don't come back till January? Yeah, they, they need to get some games game time in, and this would be perfect. You put it online. You just do a stream. Put it on, like, NHL.com or throw it on. Play it on NHL Network. Throw it on Twitch, anything. you could. They have options that they have for the platforms they use right now. You know that the fans are going to watch, especially the teams that don't have, like, their fans that don't have the teams involved. They're going to be all in on this. I bet the ratings here in Metro Detroit and Michigan would be huge. Yeah. Because, hey, the wings are playing some hockey. And there's no baseball going on right now. Football is to be seen how things are going. It's getting better with what they've got going on in the sense that they're getting ready to start some training camps and offseason workouts. So I think that really – the potential of a ratings boost. And then you could have some of the local sponsors jump into it too. If, even if they did do the stream on NHL network, you're going to get, there's going to be money coming in 
And you know, goddamn well, that's what Batman's gonna want is money coming in. That's why he's doing yeah. this shit right now. And so, and the way to do it too would be so if you have your playoffs going into early August, mm-hmm. have the exhibition game start in late August. Yeah, just have yeah. them have them sit up there for a week, two weeks, get get their legs under them, have a camp. Like let they're gonna end up starting to train while the playoffs are going on. But to actually get them some game action, put them up there for a couple weeks, have them play some games, a couple uh, game every other day or whatever, and and at least let them get five, six games in. Yeah, let them go. Let them start right around the time the play the play in games begin, and let them go maybe right up until or right after the first round of the playoffs start. Yeah, get them five, six games. You could have you could have an exhibition game early on in the morning or early afternoon right into a playoff game. I'm assuming you got to assume that they're going to go with the night games to try to have the viewers yep. coming in. So you could have an early day game of an exhibition of teams that aren't in the playoffs then followed it up with a playoff game. Yeah, they just can't let them. I, I don't see any world in where they let the team sit for 10 months because they can't, like even on lockout years, they could go play overseas. And if the overseas yeah. leagues aren't playing, there's no there's no hockey for them to to play. And if you that would take shaking the rust off to a whole new level if they didn't actually play a game for 10 months. So, um, but yeah, I I think that's where we're going to wrap the show tonight. Uh, That's all about all we have to talk about until we get a little bit more information. But Ryan, I want to get your final thoughts before we sign off. Uh, Final thoughts are there's hockey talk. It's picking up. We love it. There's sports talk. It's kind of getting better. (laughs) <laughs> Michigan's finally getting released from underneath the shoe. I can finally get a haircut in 10 days-ish, so I can't wait. You haven't had but, your wife uh, cut your hair? I've been cutting the sides on my own. Oh, she, okay. She helps me out. She does my neckline and trims me up there, but she's afraid to do anything else because she knows that I'm very particular and anal about it. So the only thing that hasn't been cut is the top of my head, and it's driving me absolutely crazy because 13 years in the Army, and oh yeah, you get like a haircut a nice, every other day or whatever. Like, well, when I was working full time, it was weekly. Yeah, my boss does that. I, 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 yeah. Anyways, haircuts—they're fantastic. <laughs> haircuts, like go it. get one. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like it on my ears, so I'm constantly trimming around my ears. Oh, my problem is if I can see my my hair in my face, like when I pull my bangs down, if I can see my hair, then it needs to be cut. If it so. ever gets that long, then you need to come check on me. Because, <laughs> because you have a clinical something, depression. Something bad has happened <laughs> if you ever see me with hair that long. But no, final thoughts are everyone stay safe. Be smart. Um, enjoy yourself. Enjoy who you're with and what you're around. It's crazy thing times out there. We don't want to rebound, so do things in spurts. Yeah, just be nice to each other, too. That's my other thing. There's a lot of anger because of many different things. And... Enjoy yourself. Get outside in the sun. Have a beer. You can start hanging out with friends again. I think that's the thing that most people need right yeah. now is just some camaraderie with each other. So have fun. Wait to see what happens with hockey and go wings. Yeah, I'm going to kind of echo your your sentiment. Uh, stuff is going to start moving, especially in Michigan. I know a lot of we have a lot of listeners from overseas and, and out of state. And you guys are maybe in a little different situation than us. But uh, we actually went from being on almost total stay at home to almost completely open in a very short amount of time, which is good because 
because people did their part to kind of stave this off, we're going to be opening back up quicker than anticipated. Mm -hmm. So I think what restaurants open up on the 8th, um, there are all already some restaurants and bars in Detroit that are doing soft openings if they have members. Uh, I know there is a bar in Detroit, uh, Plato's something or other that uh, is doing so- a soft opening for their the members of their bar. So, nice. yeah, um, it'll be interesting. It's good boating weather. We haven't had a terrible day in about a week now, and I'm honestly surprised. I know, I'm um, waiting for that huge storm to come in. Yeah, but we were supposed to get a huge storm today and nothing. So get outside, enjoy yourself, uh, hang out with some friends. I'm still going to be seeing my friends at, at a respectable distance outside, but that's okay. Um, mainly because my wife works in the health sector and I have a small child, but, uh, yeah. So, um, get out there, uh, get ready for some more hockey news because I think now that this has been decided, you're going to, we're going to get some more information, um, every, uh, maybe once, once to twice a week, I think we'll get a little bit more information because teams are going to start getting back on the ice and we're going to maybe get some more signings, some more cuts, some more injury reports or, or, or more, trades. yeah, maybe some trades because these seven teams that are out of the playoffs are are allowed to trade now. The roster freeze has been lifted for those seven teams. Yeah, you want to so. see the fan base hold some shit? There we go. Yeah, trade some people or cut oh. some people. That'll happen. Eiserman's <laughs> ready to fire his cannons. He I is. think you know he's ready to roll. Um, but those are gonna be my final thoughts. You can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. Uh, we like to give a shout out to Founders, who is the official beer of the Grindline Podcast. Go get yourself some Green Zebra. It is absolutely delicious and refreshing. If you sit by a pool or on a porch, it's just phenomenal. Uh, Their solid gold is also fantastic. I yes. Say that. If you don't, if you're not, if you kind of like Bud Light, but not really, it is a way better alternative. So uh, that's my two cents. Yeah. Um, if you use promo code Grindline on Howie's Hockey Tape, uh, you can save 10% off of your online order. So if you're getting back outside and you need some supplies, uh, save yourself some money. You can also use that same code on Bring Hockey Back to get 12% off of your order. You can also check out our merch if you go to redbubble.com and search the Grindline. We got some shirts up there, some stickers, some really interesting stuff. And again, we'll be doing another. I'm getting the first Upper Deck prize pack shipped out tomorrow. And then we will be I'm going to be putting up another giveaway uh, next week with the second uh, upper deck prize pack. Those guys have been awesome to us. Um, I like to give away their stuff. I like to shout them out and then we will hopefully get more from them to give away. Um, But I guess that does it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.